to verse 21. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the, the, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she said, She took the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also to her husband with her. And he did eat, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves an apron. Jumping down to verse 21. <clears throat> Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them and he clothed them now I was going to apologize I'm not really sorry this is just what I felt I was going to ask the bishop to preach this morning but I couldn't shake this so here we are I did teach this lesson back in December those of you that weren't around then that I, I don't those of you that were here I apologize for the redundancy, but this is what I felt on my, on my heart. And we're going to begin today and over the next several Sundays breaking this apart. We're going to talk about this subject as an all-encompassing subject, the importance of the covering. But today specifically, the blood, the covering of the inner man. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord this morning. Lord, we love you. My God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I'm asking that you would allow the Holy Ghost to have its way in this place this morning. God, I pray that your anointing would rest in this house. Lord, I pray, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay and this mind of mine that I could say only what you want said. But God, most of all, let your word find its place in fertile soil of our hearts today. God, let us, God, hear your word, but not just be hearers, but doers also. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in this place today. Hallelujah. Can we give God a hand clap of praise before we're seated this morning? Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I magnify you in this place today. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Bear with me as I try to lay some foundation. And uh, we'll see how far we get this morning. <clears throat> in, a, in the reading that we read this morning, we find the time in which sin entered the world through the choice of a woman, and I would dare say even, though, even also the choice of the man. He didn't have to eat of it as well. He made a choice. That's what God created us to do, was to make choices. I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they said, what, why in the world, or maybe it was a conversation I overheard, but they said, why did God put the tree in the garden? If he didn't want sin to come into the world, why did he put it there? Well, if he didn't, we wouldn't have had the choice. God already has the angels to worship him. That's their job. That's why they were created. But he created mankind so that we would be able to choose to worship him. To choose to have a relationship with him. He gave us the ability 
of free choice. He's not going to force you to obey, but he will. There are consequences for disobedience. There's consequences on, in all facets of life. And Adam and Eve, they both partook of this uh, fruit of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And indeed, they did not surely die at that moment, but death entered into the scene. Because the wages of sin is death. Um, I will say this. Sin is, is not a fun thing to always abide in. It may be fun for a season, but it is going to only last but for that, a season. It's not going to last always. Sin will always affect us immediately. Whether you feel it or not, the effects of sin begin to work in an immediate fashion. A few things that I want to point out that happened in this very story was, the first thing that happened was awareness was, was brought forth in the minds and the hearts of Adam and Eve. You have now an awareness of things that you used to not have an awareness of. You see things in a different fashion than you used to see things before. Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, signifying not just a physical sight, but an awakening to a deeper knowledge, and that, of, that being of good and evil. The second thing that comes when sin enters the equation is not just awareness of things, but shame is entered into the picture. Along with this awareness, they realized that they were naked, a physical state that they were previously comfortable with, but now they perceive as being inappropriate or exposing. Now this is a physical description, but I want you to understand when sin comes in, sin has more of a spiritual impact than it does sometimes a physical impact right away. Exposure of the inner man it came when sin entered into their life. This awareness and shame symbolized the exposure of their inner man, which is our spirit and our soul. We've got to understand these are the things that God is looking for us to place in His hand. Our very own spirits, God is asking us, will you trust me? Enough that you would put it in my hands. It's not just a physical nakedness, but a spiritual and emotional vulnerability that comes into our lives when sin is active and it is rampant in our life. Adam and Eve, they began to see things. They began to feel things they had never felt before because of their disobedience. I'm going somewhere... I'm hoping that God is not going to be all negative by the time I'm done. But this exposure and this, this, this shame that they felt, can I say it this way, it signified the loss of innocence and the loss of their purity. They grew in acute awareness of their disobedience and their a separation from the state of where they used to be unblemished, now, now there's, there's something that's not quite just right. They had a communion with God. They would talk with Him as it were face to face. He would visit them and He would commune with them from what I can tell in the Scriptures on a daily basis. The next thing you find after the sin that entered into their life was fear began to creep into their life. Something they had never known before. Something that began to become overwhelming and forced them to do things they had never done before. What was that thing they had never done before? They hid from God. They did their best to find a place that they thought God couldn't find it. 
following their disobedience, you see them trying to find a place because they were ashamed of what they had done. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said to him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I hid myself. Didn't put this scripture in there, but if you, if you go on down to verse 11, and he said, speaking of God in verse 11, he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Adam, how did, how did you figure out that you were naked? What has changed here, Adam? This is significant of a fractured relationship now with one that they had put all their trust in. Not only their trust to God, but God's trust to them. They had been obedient up until this time. One of the things that I, I, I tell my children often, and if, if you've heard me teach about raising up children, you'll, you'll hear me use this a lot, and that is, I believe in, I, I believe in, in, in spanking and, 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 and punishing my children. I, I believe that's necessary. But I'll tell you this much. One thing that I know that in my relationship with my children, they're not perfect, I can promise you that. But one of the things that I've learned with my kids is I've set this expectation of, hey, don't break my trust. If you break my trust, it's going to take a while for, for me to be able to trust you again. You're going to re have to reestablish this relationship of trust. And so it is with God. Between you and him, if you continually go back and say, hey, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be better this time, but you know, no more leave the church and get home, and you're already doing what you said you wouldn't do again. How is God going to be able to trust you? He's not going to force you to do what you said you were going to do. I'm sorry. I still believe that the Bible teaches that we have to be different than when we were when we came to Him. The Bible is clear. You can come to Him just like you are today. But God's expectation of you is not to stay the same way. He is a holy God, and He longs to have a relationship with us. But the holy God and sin cannot cohabitate a temple. They can't. When they took, in fact, if you want scripture for that, I'll just send you to, to the time where they took the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, the Philistines did, and they took that Ark of the Covenant and they went in to the, to the temple of their, their idol, Dagon. And when they got there the next morning, God said, hey, I'm not sharing this place with this folk. He found, they found that the idol, Dagon, was on his face before the ark the next morning. They stood their God back up. They went home. They came back the next day. And they found Dagon was not just on his face before the ark, but he was in pieces. Honey, don't think that you can, you can have a little sin and have a little God at the same time. It's not going to work. They just wanted a bite of that. They just wanted to taste the fruit. And it changed all of history. It changed everything. Because I just wanted one bite. Just one bite. God came to talk with them. God came to commune with them that day and he realized, he already knew, 
but he came seeking after them to see if they would come back to him. That's how God works, folks. If we, if we go astray, we have a whole parable talking about a prodigal son who, who defied his father. He said, I don't care if you're dead or not. I want my inheritance now. He went out. He did what he did. But when he got back home, his father was standing there with open arms. In fact, the Bible says he ran when he saw him afar off. And he, but he was coming home. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He was coming home, and the father ran and fell on his neck and kissed him, the Bible said. And they took him back home, and he said, My son, who was once lost, is now found. We're going to throw a party today. Go find the fatted calf. Let's spend some time celebrating. My son has come home. Hallelujah. God gave them the opportunity to come before him. They did, thankfully. But immediately when they had found that they had messed up and they, their eyes were open, one of the things they noticed was each other, they, they were naked. And, and one of the first things they did naturally, because of their shame, they, they began to try to cover themselves. They tried to cover themselves. You get what I'm saying? They tried to take their own abilities and their own, their own intellect and try to fix the problem they just caused. And after they had a long conversation with God, God said, we're not done here. I got work to do. We get back down to verse 21, and the Bible says, unto Adam, also unto his wife, did the Lord make coats of skins and clothed them. God said, what you've done is not good enough. I'm going to make sure you're covered adequately. And it's from this portion of Scripture I want to begin to build these lessons that I'm, I'm, I don't know how many weeks we're going to end up unpacking these, but we understand that in this connotation, we understand coats of skin have to come from an animal of some sort. There's, there's, the scripture right here is not super clear as to what animal it was that provided the coat, the skins for the coats, but, but there are some spectators, I mean, there are some commentators that, that put their two cents in and, and whatever. But the, the fact remains, something had to die in order for these coats to have been made. The first thing I want to point out is some blood was shed. Something had to lose. The Bible says that there is life in the blood. Something had to lose that life in order for Adam and Eve and their sin to be covered. This act, in my opinion, was the first time and the first instance of the blood sacrifice that we can find in the scripture where life is given to cover the consequences of the sin of mankind. Le Le Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. God said, Adam and Eve, man, I don't know why I'm so worked up this morning, but God said, Adam and Eve, you messed up, but you came back out when I called for you. Yeah, I've, I've, I've cursed you with some, some things you've got to deal with the rest of your life, and your ancestors have to deal with them too, but he said, I, I got one more thing I got to do, and I got to make sure that you and Adam are covered adequately. I'm going to make sure that I cover you. Nobody else, Adam and Eve, you can't cover yourself. I've got to do this for you. God help me. Can you not see the love of a master who said, man, you messed up so bad. 
You've changed the trajectory of mankind forever. But I loved you so much. I'm going to do what it takes for you. For the sin to be taken care of. For your life to be covered. My God. I'm thankful that he loves me. That today still, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that today still, that there is a covering for you and for me that can last not just a lifetime, my friend, but it can last for an eternity. It can take us from here and, and it can put us in a place of the heavenlies with the Savior who loves you and who loves me. Hallelujah. Oh, let's thank him right now for it. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you today, Lamb of God. Hallelujah today, Lamb of God. God's in this place this morning reaching for our hearts today. Why don't you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Let the Holy Ghost begin to work on your hearts this morning as, as, as we continue in this service. Oh, God. Oh, that's it. Let's entertain His presence for a moment. I feel Him right here, right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you so much. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We realize that this, this covering that he provided, it covered them in a sufficient manner. What God does is never, I said this the other day at work, it's never half-baked. It, it's never a half-done product, but when, when God delivers, it's, it's complete. When he finished molding the worlds into existence, he looked at it all and he said, it is very good. And on the seventh day he rested, not because nothing was left, or not, not because he was tired, but because the work was done. He set a principle for another time. But here he set the principle of them being covered and that he provided the covering. Another depiction of Calvary all the way back in Genesis. He's saying, hey, I, I'm going to make sure that you're covered. It's going to be by the shedding of blood. The blood, in the biblical context of what we read in Leviticus chapter 17, represents life. The shedding of blood is in sacrifice symbolizes the giving of life as a payment or covering for our sin. The principle that is established in the cost of sin is life itself. When you sin, you lose your life. You must pay. It must be paid for somehow. And it's got to be paid for with life. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's very simple could put it in just a, a quick synopsis of, hey, yes, sin, when it enters into our life, the cost of, of paying that in full is, is death. But that death's already been paid. Jesus paid that price. He paid that price. I... I this is, some of this isn't in my notes, and that shouldn't surprise many of you. But I want you to consider with me, the Apostle 
Peter, when he was asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, in verse 38, he came back and he answered the question. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Why? For the remission of your sin. Does anybody know what it means to have something remitted? All right, I, I'm a contractor. I send invoices to my, my, the folks that are paying me from my contract. I get an email once every week or every other week whenever I get paid. And the email that I get sent to me is payment for invoice so-and-so is remitted. And should be in your bank account within the next 24 hours. What does that mean? That that invoice has just now been paid for. The money is on the way. Can I say it this way? And Bishop, if I'm wrong, this is just how I've always, I've always seen it in my simple mind. When Jesus died on Calvary, he, he, he filled out the check. He signed the check. And he put it in the mail. And since Calvary, my sin has been remitted. Now my question is, when are you going to go to the mailbox and get the check out of the mail? And go cash it in. What I'm saying is, you don't have to pay the price of death for your sin. Because he covered that cost. That's why I get so worked up over what we were just talking about a few minutes ago. He covered the cost. He covered Adam and Eve, and he's still covering all of mankind to this very day. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but thank God for a merciful God, one that, one that extends his grace to me day after day. One that says, hey, if you'll just come and you'll repent of your sins, I will forgive you. Yeah, you. Hallelujah. My Father, which is in heaven, is faithful to forgive. He's able and he wants to do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Old Testament we, we see a system of sacrifice. We see a lot that is there. There in the Old Testament, the law of Moses instituted a sacrificial system involving shedding of blood for the atonement of sins. And, and under the law, there was, there was no complete remission of your sins under the law. No, because every year, at a time called Passover. Only one man could go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifice and atonement. He shed the blood for your sins. He did. That high priest. But there was a Passover. When the high priest went to go into the Holy of Holies, and the next thing he realized, hey, something big is happening here. This veil that I normally have to go through to get to the Holy of Holies is now being rent or ripped apart from the top to the bottom. Amen. Disrupting his service that day, I'm no doubt. And he was going in there. What? Ah, man, there's so much there. But the one that could atone for all sin, for all of time, so that we have access to the Holy of Holies without having to go through a high priest. Thank God I have access to the presence of God. Amen. Just, I have to find a place and say, here I am, God. Take my life and change me and make me to who you want me to be. He's, he's made himself available to you and me. He's made himself available to you and to me. These sacrifices were done once a year and, and what's crazy about it is they could only roll the sins ahead 
They couldn't eliminate the sin. But the beautiful thing about it is, one day on Calvary, after they had been rolled ahead from year after year, Jesus, he died for all of sin. Can I say it this way? Past, present, and future. He's able. <laughs> He's an eternal God. Nothing's too hard for him. He can reach back in the past and say, hey, all of that sin, you've been making sacrifice. Hey, I'm, I'm taking that. It's paid for. Hey, all of you guys today, I'm going to take your sin. I'm paying for it today. Hey, all of you guys that aren't here yet, uh, I'm going to reach out in the future. Even you and you you and me today, uh, amen, He's the one, he, you are the one that he reached into the future and said, hey, Joseph Decker, Guess what? I have, I have a promise for you. I have, I have forgiveness for you. Darren Mendez, I, I know that you may not live a perfect life, but here I am. I'm taking your sin. Amen. Mateo Lucas Mendez, Jesus reached out and, and he said, hey, I'm reaching out in the future and I'm taking his sin upon myself. Do we deserve it? Did we do anything to merit our forgiveness? Absolutely not. But my God doesn't look upon us as he sang a while ago for who we are right here and right now, what we've already accomplished. But what he's saying is, hey, hey man, Sister Renia, I got a plan and I have, I have a perfect will for your life. Will you give it to me? Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Lord. This blood... That I'm talking about, I don't know how many of you haven't heard me teach this before, but this blood that I, 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 I'm talking about today, I mentioned the Passover. I went back and I began thinking about the original Passover, probably not going to get any further past this. But I went back into Exodus and God had sent judgment after judgment after judgment after judgment. And one last time, Moses went in to Pharaoh and he said, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh refused. And Moses said, guess what? Since you have hardened your heart, there's one more, there's one more judgment coming. And it's going to bring death throughout all of Egypt except for one thing. He didn't tell Pharaoh all this, but when he got back, can I read to you? Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. He said, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. <laughs> but ye shall take, and ye shall take a, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood and that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Can I help draw this picture in your, your, your mind's imagination this morning before I finish this service today? Can you imagine with me you're an, you're an Israelite and the elders are coming by and telling you what, what, what Moses has just told them and, and he said, hey, I want you to kill a lamb and I want you to take the blood and I want you to find a bunch of hyssop they used it, can you let me use it as a crude paintbrush, all right? And they, they said, catch all of the blood. And, and I want you to use that blood. I want you to go in the front of the house, and I want you to go to the front door, and I want you to begin to spread that blood over the doorpost of your house. I, I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't remember reading it in there, so... So if it does say it, just, just 
Pardon my ignorance for just a few moments. But it didn't say, it didn't say just put a little blood on the doorpost. Nor do I think it said put all of the blood on the doorpost. But it said take the blood and paint that doorpost. I was in Olathe a few weeks ago and, I, and this came to my mind so I just said it. And so this is where this is all coming from again. I just had to add it to this message. I didn't teach this the last time I, I preached. I taught some of this. But, but I, I got a question for you guys. When it comes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we ought to have reverence for him. And it's, it's my opinion that when it comes to the things of heaven and the things of the kingdom of God, we shouldn't be lackadaisical about how we go about it. We ought to go about it with our best in mind. We ought to put our best foot forward when it comes to the things of God. And when God asks you to do something, I want you to consider with me the man that was given five talents. He didn't just bring five talents back. He took a chance and he went and he took those five talents and he put them to work. And he brought five other talents. So he had ten when he came back. So let me ask you, when, when, the, when, when, when Moses said, I want you to use that blood, can you just let me and this, this little small town country preacher just use his imagination a little bit? I just want you to think, in my mind, if God said, I want you to do something, I'm going to do it with everything I got. That means I'm going to use all of the blood that I gathered from that lamb that I just killed for dinner. I'm going to take it all. And if, it, if it's a five-gallon bucket full of, paint, uh, uh, full of, full of uh, uh, blood, I'm going to take all of that blood. It may, it may coat that whole door, Brother Tuffy. But he said, you cover that door. You make sure that door, it, it's evident that when the angel comes by, when the destroyer shows up at your house, there's no question in his mind whether this door has blood on it or not. You with me this morning? And so here I go. I'm, I'm taking every ounce of the blood and I'm making sure I'm applying it to that doorpost. I'm making sure that even if you walk by it 30, 40, 50, 100 feet back, you know that door is covered by the blood. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just going to take a, a little bit of what uh, the preacher said and I, I, I'm going to take all of what he said and I'm going to take it uh, and I'm going to apply it to my life uh, and I'm going to make sure that all of heaven knows uh, and every one of my neighbors know uh, and all of hell knows uh, I am covered by the blood. I am covered by the blood. Whatever it takes, I'm making sure that the destroyer knows, hey, buddy, you have no place in this house. God said, I will pass over the door and I will not allow the destroyer to come in. And so I began thinking, man, that's a pretty awesome promise to the Israelites that night. There was a lot of wailing and a lot of, a lot of lamentation going on that night. I'm almost done. Somebody come to music. But when the destroyer showed up to the house with the blood on the doorpost, he's like, oh, excuse me. I got to keep on moving. So I began thinking, that sounds awful familiar. Sounds awful good to the Israelites, but man, how can that apply to us today? And then I thought about this. As I close with this scripture, the apostle Peter said this, be sober and be vigilant. This is why I don't think I'm making things up when I say use all that blood. 
Because if I'm going to be sober and I'm going to be vigilant about something, I'm giving it every ounce of strength that I've got. I'm going to make sure that I come out of this thing victorious with a tough end. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking about. He's surveying the land. He's looking around. And he's seeing, who can I devour? <laughs> what was happening in Egypt? The destroyer was going through town. I'm looking. Oh, no blood here? Here I go. Oh, there's blood there. I can't go in there. You say, this is too simple, Pastor. I hope to God it's simple enough that you can grab a hold of it with both hands and not let go. You say, I, I'm struggling with things in my home. Let me ask you, when's the last time you covered your doorpost with the blood of Jesus? Just last week I walked through this sanctuary pleading the blood of Jesus over this building. God, I laid my hands on that back door and I said, God, keep the destroyer out of here. Cover this place with your blood. Keep your hand upon us. God, help us to never be the same when we walk through these doors. When we sit on these pews, God, don't let me go home unchanged. But God, let me be something that's different, something that's beneficial to the kingdom. God, somebody that can reach out to the lost, somebody that can say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Hallelujah. The only way you can keep the destroyer away is by the blood of Jesus. Friend, you don't have the Holy Ghost this morning. Jesus paid the price. All you got to do is find an old-fashioned altar and say, hey, I'm sorry, Lord, with every intention of turning away from all of the evilness that I've ever done. And God, I want to I wanna take on the blood of Jesus in my life. You've got to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. And he will give you the power that you need to overcome sin. He will give you the power to overcome sin. Can we find us a place to pray this morning? Can we come and talk to the Lord for a little while this morning? Can you plead the blood of Jesus over your life? Can you spend some time repenting before God? God, change me. God, make me. God, mold me. God, make me to what you need me to be this morning. Oh, that's it. Let's find a place to pray and let's talk to Jesus for a little while. Oh, my God, you're wonderful in this place. Oh, help me today, Lord. Help me today, Lord. We love you this morning. We love you this morning. Oh, that's it. Let's call the name of the Lord today.
Jesus. Can we love the Lord all together this morning? Can we praise Him this morning for His grace and mercy today? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I magnify you in this place today, God. Oh, you're worthy to receive honor this morning. Oh, thank you for your grace today. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. I exalt you, Jesus. I exalt you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning. He's been good to us. Amen. He's been mighty good to us, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have time and time again to come. I think it's necessary that we come back to the altar and let him wash over us with his blood anew and afresh, time and time again. Amen. Praise God. Love each and every one of you. Thank you for those of you. Josiah, thanks for coming today. Being here for the first time. And, uh, looking forward to what God is doing, going to do this week. We have several things coming up in the next few weeks. We have, uh, I say several things, we have regular service Wednesday night, 7.30, prayer starts at 7. And then Friday night, have a youth service that's going to be held in Olathe. Um, it's going to start at 7:30. So we'll be here. If you need to ride, you need a ride to go with us. I'd love for you to be able to go. Um, let me know, and that way we can organize how we're going to get you there. Um, if it's just people in town, we'll just meet at my house, and we'll go from my place. If we got folks coming from other towns and you want to meet us here at the church, then we'll go from here up to Olathe. Service will be there starting at 7.30. Likely we probably won't be home until between 12 and 1 in the morning just because of after the service we typically have a get-together. We'll eat some food and play some games and just have a good time. So that's all happening this week. <coughs> Back in the house of the Lord next Sunday, and uh, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not forgetting something here. I hear an offering. <clears throat> Is that you that said that? Oh, thanks. Well, you can come and receive the offering while I'm making sure I don't miss any other announcements here. Thank you for those of you that came yesterday. We had a good time at uh, Miranchito with the couples last night. I know some of y'all couldn't make it, and that's that's all right. Um, but thanks to those that could make it last night. We appreciate it very much. <clears throat> all right. So youth service next Friday, and then we have a family night out on March the 9th. We're going to be going to main event that night, uh, so we can carpool for that. So that'll be March the 9th. So I knew there was something else that was coming up quickly. I wanted to give you plenty of heads heads up so you knew when, when that was going on. God bless y'all. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Dismissed in Jesus' name.